Hey everyone, welcome to the Revivals Family Podcast, where we discuss what God's doing on college campuses and the need for prayer, family, and revival. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Revivals Family. I'm here with my good friend, brother, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. Good to see you, bro. Hey man, thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Jonathan um, is currently based in St. Louis with his wife, Molly, daughter, Mira. And I know Jonathan from way back in the day when he was doing college ministry. And after that, uh, we both were in college ministry together some decade and a half, two ago. And um, we're now approaching our 40s and still loving young people. Um, But you're leading an organization called Civil Righteousness. Just give us a minute on on what you do, why you do what you do. Absolutely. Well, you know, Civil Righteousness uh, was established as a organization about two years ago uh, and really made it our mission to pursue reconciliation and restorative justice through spiritual, cultural, and economic renewal. Um, the organization has now become a movement, particularly within the last 60 to 90 days since the George Floyd incident. Um, we're now in over 300 cities, and it's really a prayer and revival movement that's pursuing uh, the precepts of the kingdom of God, justice and righteousness in our day and in our Amen. time, led with you know a biblical hope. Yeah, so good. I, I love the... The, the name civil righteousness, because it really captures, you know, the, the history of Martin Luther King with civil rights, but really the, the holiness, the righteousness of Jesus, that really is the core. And I've heard you say this phrase before, Jesus is justice. C- could you elaborate on that phrase for us? Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about one of the, the signs of his return, of Jesus's return, will be this this longing for him where everybody in the earth is saying, come, Lord Jesus. And the Bible pretty much describes that groan as Maranatha, come, Lord, we want you to come. And what do we want him to come for? What do we want him to come do? Well, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is revealed as the one who makes wrong things right. The full revelation of him is as a king who rules in righteousness, and he actually brings his kingdom, which is founded in justice and righteousness, to the earth. And so um, we see that this is the character and the nature of who he is going to fully manifest himself as when he returns. But Isaiah long before Jesus came to the earth in the flesh, Isaiah, the prophet sees him. And in Isaiah 42, it says, behold, my servant, uh, my elect one in whom I uphold, I have placed my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. He won't grow weary. He, he won't grow tired. It, it, it describes him as justice. And so when, when I see the groan for justice and hear people, people say, give us justice. We want justice. When I understand what the Bible and what the prophet Saul and what the book of Revelation reveals and even what the gospels reveal about how Jesus heals the sick. He's dealing with the injustice in their bodies. He's dealing with the injustice of sin in the earth. I see he is the man justice. And when people say, give us justice, I, I, I hear them saying, give us Jesus. Wow. 
Wow, come on. And, uh, let's go backwards a little bit. Like, I mean, right now, like you're finding yourself in the midst of this cultural, social conversation, you know, I mean, one with a lot of pain and with a lot of history around identity, around race, around just the injustices against African-Americans and, and, and just even beyond that, just the, you know, the injustices in policing and systemic abuse. I mean, it's a very complicated complicated um, reality that we're navigating through, but this is not, this is not a new and a now reality that, that you've been wrestling with. How did you, I mean, two years ago when you started civil righteousness, I mean, how, what was the impetus? Like, how did you go from, from college campus to really carrying this burden for civil righteousness? Well, you know, it's funny. I think back on my college years, you know, this burden this burden is is not a cerebral meaning, you know, it's not just some kind of intellectual conversation or some, you know, just um, thought provoking hot topic for our day. You know, for me, it's an existential question that I asked and that I think most people of color, particularly black Americans, have asked at some point in their life. I would watch, I, I remember watching Roots, you know, and then I watched The Color Purple and I'd see these movies from um, America past. And this question sprang up in me at a really young age. I'm talking like seven, six, seven years old. And I'm going, wait a second, why? Like, God, why did we have to go through this? Wow. You know, and why, you know, this why question sprang up in me at a young age. And at 12, I actually entered into a six month depression after, you know, somehow sneaking and watching the movie Mississippi Burning, which was wow. rated R. I don't know how I <laughs> how I got to see that movie, but but I watched that movie and it wrecked me seeing the Ku Klux Klan and, and just some of the things that that were endured in my dad's South, you know, my, my parents were both born in and, and raised in a segregated America. And, um, and so I carried that question. And then in college, it was interesting. I went to East Carolina university, go pirates. And, uh, I, I was, I would sit in the center of our campus and there was this, this wall where all the black people hung out on this wall and honestly, I was self-conscious because black folks can be brutal when you're young. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you got to have your shoes right. You got to have your clothes right. You know? And so I'd walk past <laughs> this wall and I'm like, oh, the brothers, they're out on the yard today. I got to make sure I got my stuff together. But it was interesting because all the black people would hang out on one wall. All the white people would walk past and do their own thing. And then wow. you go into the commons, the commons areas. And I noticed how segregated our campus was. There's black wow. fraternities and white fraternities. There's And so even in college, I begin to say, this is not right. And I actually had an idea. I didn't do it. But I said, one day, what if we I, I ran it through kind of the my accountability, my spiritual leadership. And they're like, JT, no, don't do that. That that upset the spot, the, the stir the pot too much. But I actually wanted to put colored and um, and white like in the segregated Jim Crow South, I wanted to put posters on all the fountains and all the seating areas and all the buildings on wow. campus overnight so that people would wake up and they'd see, they'd see like these signs 
that actually indicate the realities of how our campus was structured at that time. I didn't do it, but I, I had forgotten that that was in my heart to do until recently. And I go, wow, God, you put that idea in my heart even then. So I just think it's been something that the Lord uh, convicted me about at a young age. And it's been at the forefront of um, of kind of my my American experience, my African-American experience and my experience uh, just navigating through culture. Wow. That's, um, it's amazing how the Lord puts elements of, of our design, our assignments, just callings in us from a young age, you know? And I think for so many students, they're asking the question, who am I? What am I called to do? Where am I going? And it's so encouraging to see even, you know, in the days you were 12 and, you know, college student, seeing just the emerging elements of, of assignments and, and really things that Lord would really use you in, in, in your thirties and forties. And, um, and, and yet you saw it in small ways as a student, like as you're thinking about this moment and in the wake of, of George Floyd, now Jacob Blake, um, like a new school year starting. I mean, we're coming into a school year like no other. And, and just, I mean, the disruption of life of normal. I mean, so many students are doing online school. So many are, I'm thinking about all the freshmen, you know, who's just started um, college from high school and they didn't get to graduate. They're coming into this very different reality. So strange. Disappointment and just uncertainty. The ones who are just graduating who job wise that the the world and the market's different. And then in the midst of this extended confusion, displacement, just tumult in our, in our society, we have this acute pain that's emerged. And it's an old pain, but I think there's been this awakening to America at large around the pain of being Black in America. Um, and then the, the specific systemic injustices that, that Black America has experienced, specifically from, from those in authority, the police, and just the ways that, that discrimination has, has pervaded, but, but it's really been unaware and only been acutely experienced by the Black community. And so, like, what would you say to, to the young college student who's wanting to navigate this well and responds in faith, respond in love? Yeah, I, I think that key word that you just used is what we have to hone in on and it's love. You know, what is love is the question. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is long suffering. You know, there's love. Love is a power. It's not a tone of voice, you know, and love, you know, you have love when you have tears, you know, um, why do I say tears? Because tears represent a tenderness of our hearts. Um, tears represent uh, a breaking. The, the Bible says that God looks upon those who are broken and contrite in spirit. And what we see right now proceeds from a shared brokenness in all of humanity. You know, nobody has, nobody can claim the moral high ground right now, even though the cultural conversation is, well, all the white people need to repent. All the white people are wrong. Look at whiteness. They're centering whiteness. And then black people or, or other folks are going, well, it's not just black and white. What about the immigrants and the, the refugees and the Asians and the Irish slaves and all these different things? And, and so we want to center our agendas. And that's not love. 
if we center Jesus, if we access Jesus, we say, Jesus, I want you to be centered in my heart, in my mind, in my will, in my emotions, in my understanding, in my interactions. Jesus, be centered. Colossians 1 talks about him as being the one who holds all things together. All things were created by him and for him. And they're through him and to him there. That's how they're held together. So all things, what does that mean? Well, even the word all can is offensive now, you know, are you an all lives matter guy? Are you, you know, we, we politicize everything and the challenge for the college student, older, young is to step back from the cultural and human tendency to want to categorize in order to justify and get some kind of false sense of moral superiority like well well i'm a liberal and i believe in you know choice and i believe in this and i believe in that and you're wrong if you don't believe that well i'm a conservative and and what about black on black crime and what about this kind of righteousness we we've allowed the dialogue to go so far in all the other directions besides the direction of love yeah that jesus jesus reels it all in and he convicts you know the bible rebukes everybody and goes, you know what? There's no one righteous. Not one of you is righteous. All of you have sinned and fallen short of my glory. Yes. So young person reach for glory. God, I want the glory of your love in my life. And I want that love to be made known in my interactions. And when, when you do that, when you love another person, well, you put them before yourself, which means I'm coming to the table to, to listen Like, I want to listen and learn from you. I can listen to my enemy and learn something from my enemy. And then as I'm learning, I might hear something in in what they're saying, the person I don't understand, that then gives me an entrance to love because every human has a lament. There's, there's like a, there's a, there's a, an argument that we're all carrying. There's a brokenness that we've all experienced through our human brokenness. And so when I find out what your lament is, I might actually be able to, to, to empathize with it and enter into lament with you. And then we go from listening, learning, lament into, into that place of weeping together. And then God says in, after brokenness, when you when you realize that you've been struck, now I can release healing to you. Wow. And he wants so he good. doesn't want to just heal black folks. He wants to heal all of us, black, Absolutely. white, Asian. Absolutely. No matter who you are. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I think that for so many, like there is such a reach and a desire to lament with. And I think so oftentimes, you know, many just I think it's easy to lament over the George Floyd moment. You can grasp it. There's videos, you know, with Jacob Blake. I mean, the moments are really helping people you know, understand. But I think that the way harder one is is the 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 realities of of the individual and the long term pain and the and the ways that they've really carried the pain and carried just the the discrimination of of being a person of color, being black in America. And and right now there's, you know, on college campuses, there's one of the conversations that is emerging is the one of, of being a social activist. And, and there's this, I so love how you set the standard as the rule of the, the rule of love that, that I think for so many, the big question is how, how do I respond? And I think that 
the the framework and the plumb line of how do we love well? How do we love, you know, the hurting person? How do we love the one that that is struggling to understand, the one that, you know, maybe you know, off base and, and very strong opinions, you know, and, and I think that rule of love is so significant. I think within the Christian community on campuses now, there's such a variance of messages. Mm-hmm. There's everything from, it's all about preaching the gospel. It's all about salvation. Salvation is the solution. We need to preach Jesus. If people get saved, then healing will happen. And on the other end of the spectrum, we're hearing conversations of if you're a believer and you want to see, and you want to practice the gospel, you need to be a social activist. If you're not being a social activist, you're not doing the gospel. And there's this lit, there's this whole spectrum of, of what being kingdom Christian that is actively engaged in, in this moment um, and, and being, being part of the solution. One of the, the challenges for young people is that, that there's competing messages for yeah. what it means in this moment to be a part of the healing solution. What would you say to this just spectrum? I mean, there's the political spectrum. There's the, the, the spectrum of, of what do we do in response to injustice? Um, what would you say to this conversation? I would say, you know, the gospel is not just the gospel of salvation, it's the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of salvation is a part of the gospel of the kingdom. But what these conversations reveal to me is a fundamental misunderstanding or a lack of our maturity in our understanding of what the gospel of the kingdom is. And it's, yes, justice, it's policy change, it's criminal justice reform, it's police reform, it's ending of mass incarceration. It's all those different things, but it is also righteousness. It is salvation. It is holiness. It is the fear of the Lord. It is love in our legislation and love in our hearts. And so we've relegated these. It's almost like justice and righteousness are two competing things when you can't get one without the other. And so we're in this moment where Part of it has been a a crack or a hole in our gospel where our sociology has not reflected the things that we espouse with our theology. And so God, as part of the process of maturing believers and maturing the expression of Christianity on the earth, is causing us to now wrestle with what what level of the of the justice and the 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 peace of God and the shalom of heaven can be obtained on the earth today versus, you know, what will never be healed until Jesus fully comes back himself. And, and we, we live in those tensions, but they're tensions nonetheless that we must get clarity understanding on and learn how to pursue justice, become a social activist. But as a Christian, you have to ask the question, what fruit are my acts of social justice producing if i'm protesting do does my protest bear the fruit of righteousness or the fruit of unrighteousness if i go into a city yeah. and confront a police officer it, the anointing breaks the yoke so if i confront a guy and i say yo i'm going to speak truth to power yo we got to speak truth to power that's our prophetic responsibility as the church okay when you speak that truth does the truth set the person free wow 
Because if it doesn't have the anointing to set the person free, then it wasn't truth. <laughs> if it doesn't bear the fruits of righteousness, which is love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things, if they don't accompany your acts that you're doing in the name of Jesus as a social activist, then it's an unrighteous motivation and not a righteous motivation. And so we have to we have to wrestle with these things and say, are the fruit of my my is the fruit of my activism activism even producing in me love wow. joy do i have greater love for the police now that i've so been good. been you know pursuing righteousness and justice as an activist do i have greater love for the black community do i have greater love for these things that i'm legislating or am i do i have greater love of self do i have greater love of people who only look like me and if you can't answer that question rightly then you're being weighed on the same biblical scales as the nation. And so that's, that's where we are and, and how we have to begin to navigate this thing. Again, as a believer, you have to say, if my life and even my spirit is not being attended by the fruits of righteousness, then I'm operating in unrighteousness and that will ultimately lead to condemnation. Wow. That's so good and challenging. I think so oftentimes we're, we're looking at what we're doing relative to what others around us are doing. And, and we're influenced um, sometimes for righteousness, but sometimes we're influenced unto action, but the action is, is not motivated from the place of, of how do I walk in the fruits of righteousness that's, that's really motivated by love. And, um, and so easy to get caught up in the moment where there's such a, mass response that we feel like we're responding with everybody else because it sure sounds like the right thing to do. And to really respond in love, but but responds really from the posture of, of how do I walk out the gospel? How do I, I love the question you ask is, is, is it producing greater love for the police officer? Is it producing greater love for the person in pain? I think that that question is, is I mean, such a great litmus to see how is our activism producing Christ in us? Yeah, and, and, and there's such a pressure, right? It's so hard. There's such a pressure to respond and to respond immediately. Yes. You know, something happens yesterday. Well, or something, if something happens this morning, you better have an, uh, a post on IG about it within an hour. As soon as you find out, you better post something or else, you know, you don't want to be seen as indifferent or apathetic or not woke or whatever it is. And so the pressure to, so to, to consume the, inf the information and to have a response publicly it, when it's not a response at all, it's just a reaction. And everybody has a reaction and reactions can be terrible at first. So we've got to learn how to pull back, unplug and get a right response, a righteous response. But then we have to move beyond just responding to the culture. And that's that's the challenge is everybody's responding to incident after incident, moment after moment, flashpoint after flashpoint. And Jesus didn't. Jesus was not a man of response. He was a man of strategic action. He was coming to implement the father's plan in the earth. And so he's left that to us. And he says, I've given you your marching orders and it's the ministry of reconciliation. I've given you, I've called you the ones who are my sons and daughters. And then this, the, 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 one of the primary markers in these times that you are my son or my daughter 
is that you can make peace in a time where there's no peace. And so we have to move from being just responsive to being offensive, not offensive, but, you know. That's a big difference. Uh, yeah, right, right. But offensively saying, you know what, we're not going to, we're not just going to be tossed and driven by every new flashpoint, which they're going to continue to happen. They're happening every single day. But no, we're going to stay on the father's plan. We're going to build the family, revivalist family, right? This is all about the family. It's all about God the father saying, I have sons and daughters out of every tribe and tongue and nation that I want to live in my house with me and be at the table of brotherhood together. So we got to build that table. Come on, I love it. Um, one last question for you. For the college student, the young adult that's hearing us today that really is feeling stirred, that they've been in this moment, this cultural narrative discussion and, and really wanting to have a greater response that they're, they're just feeling stirred that they would be an agent of love, one that responds as an 18-year-old, 22-year-old, 25-year-old. Like, what would what would you say as, as a young father to the young adult who really is moved, but really doesn't know what to do? And and what would you say is, is the role of prayer and how they can respond? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the first thing is understanding, again, that— um, where we are that at the at the root and at the core we are dealing with ancient powers of darkness in the realm of the unseen that have been in control of cities regions nations for thousands of years you know so the one thing that we can do immediately when we when we're when we're moved by injustice or we're, we're, we're grieved. We, we have a heavy burden is I, I say you weep or you pray until you weep and then you weep until you can sing. Wow. I say that one more time. You pray until you can, until you weep and then you weep until you can sing. Wow. This is how my ancestors got through and got over. One reason why black folk have such great voices, not every black person, don't, <laughs> don't listen to me sing, but we inherited the, the technology and the innovation of heaven for dealing with a broken heart. It was singing. It was weeping and singing. It was oh, praying, weeping, and singing. And so if you don't know what to do, well, what do I start? How do I, how do I engage? What organization do, do I join with? No, no. Just stop and pray and say, God, break me. Lord, I'm broken. Here I am. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on yes, you. Lord. That's what David said. I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Right now, my eyes are on George Floyd. My eyes are on Ahmaud Arbery. My eyes are on Jacob Blake. My eyes are on this. No, no, no. God says, no, get your eyes on me. Okay. Pray until you see me. Amen. And when you see me. You'll see in light, like Isaiah, in light of seeing your glory in Isaiah 6, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man. God, change me. And I dwell among an unclean people. Oh, God, my nation is broken. America is a wreck. Oh, my culture is broken. Help me. Oh, God. Ah. And then suddenly the tears come. And then out of that place of heaviness and weariness, you go, oh, Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. 
Oh, Lord, you are beautiful. You begin to get a song. Lord, give me a song. Sing unto the Lord. That Isaiah 42 passage that describes Jesus as justice. In the end of that whole passage about the justice of Jesus, it says, sing unto the Lord a new song. When you command your soul to sing, you begin to worship. All of a sudden, it, 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 it lifts. It literally lifts the heavy burden. It lifts the burden, lifts your head. And then from that place, you move into Isaiah 58, which is the, the justice passage. If you can't do anything else, I mean, I could tell you great organizations. I could tell you about our organization, follow our teachings, all those different things. But at the end of the day, you look at Isaiah 58 and it tells you to spin yourself on behalf of the poor. It tells you line by line, the blueprint for the for the fast that breaks the yoke of oppression, the action. And it, it's really a modification, not just of your diet, but really a modification of your actions. It tells you how to engage with people who do not look like you, who are in a different socioeconomic wow. position than you. And it says, if you do these things, all the all the precepts of Isaiah 58, if you do this, then your light will break out like the noonday sun. It, 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 it says your light will break forth. And it talks about the, the yoke of oppression being broken. And if you want to be a, a person who carries that anointing to break that yoke, you have to, you have to enter into the prayer. You have to enter into the weeping. You have to enter into the praise that lifts every and destroys every yoke. And then you have to do Isaiah 58 to live a Micah six, eight lifestyle, which says walk humbly, act justly and love mercy. Amen. May it be. Would you, would you take a moment and pray for these ones? Um, would you pray for, for the ones that, that both um, are, are just in pain in this moment? There's, there's real pain. And then would you pray for the ones that really want to be agents of healing. Father, I just thank you for every broken heart, God. I thank you that you are the man of sorrows. This is who you are, the one who was rejected, was despised among men, God. You identify with our brokenness. For every person listening to this podcast who's so frustrated, so angry, so embittered even now. Lord, for every young person who's so confused, there are many of you listening right now, and you're just like, I'm just confused. I don't even know what's going on. God, I thank you that in the midst of instability, you declare, I will be the stability of your times. God, I thank you for bringing us into a safe and steady place. You have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. There is no rock beside you, O oh Lord. So I'm praying right now that you would establish us in your love, God, that you would, would cause us to find our footing in you on every campus in every place. I pray that you would center our hearts, our minds, our wills, and our emotions, and that we would see your kingdom come in our hearts, in our communities, on our campuses, in every civic 
court, God, in every city, in every precinct, in every municipality that we would see your kingdom come through us, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. We trust you and we thank you for giving us every resource that we need to function as peacemakers and reconcilers in this age. We thank you, in fact, that we were timely born for this generation in this generation. And we trust you to empower us from this place in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jonathan. What a, what a gift. Thank you for your wisdom, your encouragement, the practicals. Pray until you weep, weep until you sing. That stirs me. Well, thank you all for joining us today. We're so glad that you're able to be a part. Look forward to hearing feedback from you guys. If you have feedback, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Bless you guys. Catch you next time on the Revival Family Podcast.